Good morning. I'm going to be reading Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to um, John chapter 12. The unexpected can absolutely rock my world at times in joyful ways and glorious ways, but also in dreadful, gut wrenching ways. It was the latter that I experienced this last Sunday. My faith mom, Carlene, is homebound now, and she wanted me to convey to you guys she misses you terribly. We stopped in at her home to surprise her last Sunday. It was an unexpected visit. She had no idea we were coming. We walked in the door. We said hello and headed for her chair in the living room where she's always sitting. We walked into her experiencing a massive nosebleed. She's on oxygen constantly now, and that can dry out membranes in your nostrils. And nosebleeds are typical. Um, No punch, bump required. They just sometimes start bleeding. Well, when you're taking blood thinners on top of other medications, that can make for not just a frightening experience, but a potentially deadly one. The RN who was staying with her had already called EMS when we had walked in the door. And so um, a couple of minutes later, they arrived on the scene and began checking her over. They didn't seem to be too alarmed. As a matter of fact, even when she started coughing up blood, they still didn't seem to be too alarmed. They were ready to take her in the ambulance. (laughs) But if you know Carlene at all, she would have none of that. She um, said, I want my preacher to take me. (laughs) And I looked at her and I said, who's dressed here in the professional medical gear, huh? (laughs) Who's come with an ambulance here? And she said, I still want you to take me. Well, the little princess usually gets what she wants, and so we did. By the time we hit the hospital, the bleeding was almost stopped, and an hour later, it was certainly stopped, and they sent us home. Not exactly how I was expecting to spend last Sunday. And you can relate. I know you can. Because the unexpected happens to all of us. And usually the unexpected can frustrate, and usually it disappoints, usually it discourages, and sometimes, like last Sunday, it can scare the bejeebies out of you. Some of you have had the unexpected intrude into your week this week, and um, maybe some of you on the way to worship this morning. Cars are notorious for um, the unexpected, aren't they? So are children of all ages. Visits to the doctor can be a source of the unexpected. And for some of you this week, maybe you received a diagnosis that has absolutely caught you off guard. Our neighborhood that has just 11 houses in it was hit with the unexpected this week. Someone in our neighborhood, my next door neighbor actually, fell unexpectedly and broke her wrist. Another one of my neighbors experienced the unexpected death of her husband. Another one of my neighbors experienced the unexpected death of a grandson from suicide. Some of you are thinking, remind me not to get a house on your street, right? No, it doesn't matter where your house is. The unexpected is going to come knocking on your front door. You'd think by now, (laughs) having almost experienced that, if not almost having experienced that every single day of our lives, 
that the unexpected wouldn't catch us near as off guard as it usually does. But man, how many times has it hit you that it just drains the life out of you? Now, I share all of that by way of an introduction to an announcement that I have to make. Something that unexpectedly happened in May that I have been looking for just the right time to tell you about in today's day. And already you're thinking, we weren't expecting this. On May 23rd, the Kerrville Church of Christ in Shriner University hit the pause button on hosting the Global Leadership Summit. If you've noticed a lack of mentioning that for the last couple of months, that's the reason, even as the August 9th and 10th dates get closer. For those of you who are visiting with us this weekend and aren't familiar with what the Global Leadership Summit's about, our staff has been blessed by this leadership conference that's shown via simulcast to over 500 locations around the globe. It originates in Barrington, Illinois, through the Willow Creek Church, and Bill Hybels and his ministry there for over 20 years. It's been the leadership conference, especially for America, literally, and just becoming around the globe uh, in a way that I really can't even put in words and really don't have time to now. Fortune 500 companies, global service organizations, church leaders from all over the country are invited to come and speak for two days about not only how to lead, but how to influence those who God is growing to be leaders. It's unapologetically Christian-based. Its, its speakers have been proven in their abilities to lead, but also in their abilities to talk about leadership. Messages by John Maxwell, Andy Stanley, Joseph Granny, Cheryl Sandberg. We've watched some of those here on Wednesday nights here so that their influence could help us be better influencers here ourselves. Well, for the last five years, KCC has used this conference as our primary tool for challenging our leaders to grow, but also to fill our leaders' cups here at our, at our own campus. The team of Randy Rose and Anna Pruitt and Scott Bolton and Ricky Pruitt and Doug Winters and Danielle Stovall all came together about two years ago and decided this could be a valuable tool, not just for us, but also for our community. And so two years ago, we began the process of becoming a host site here for the summit itself. The leadership last year from Shriner sent some of their representatives because they were curious about it for their own benefit, but then soon decided they wanted to become a host partner with us. A host partner in the sense of we were going to have it at their place, but we were going to be the host personnel, or at least largely responsible for that. I couldn't believe it. In April, we held what's called the Taste of the Summit at Shriner University, and over 70 leaders from churches in our community and businesses came, and we fed them lunch. The faculty was announced it was going to be at the, the summit for this year in 2018. We showed them a small presentation of the summit all in an hour. And almost 200 people before we left that day had committed to being a part of the summit already, and we hadn't even begun our advertising for the event. To say that we were thrilled is an understatement to the max. Credible momentum for our first taste of the summit. And then the unexpected hit. Parked itself right on our doorstep and also hundreds of other host sites around the globe. 
An article came out in the Chicago Tribune alleging that Bill Hybels, the founder of GLS, the MC of GLS, the face of GLS, had been involved in sexual improprieties. The most damaging being the accusation of an affair that had happened four years earlier and the kissing of another woman on a different occasion. I was so devastated. Dismayed, disappointed, but, but just devastated. Both for Bill, because it seemed that Satan had gotten to him in a way that would hurt, first of all, his family, his dear wife Lynn and her kids, but then his church at Willow Creek and then also the summit that I was becoming more and more tied to. I knew the impact would be deep and it would be worldwide. As it turns out, the most potentially damaging accusation was publicly confessed by the woman who accused him of it as a lie. A family friend of over 25 years was angry at Bill because she wasn't hired on at Willow Creek and decided to get back at him by creating a rumor that they'd had an affair. And she came forth publicly and confessed it because she didn't realize it was going to go this far. Not an article in the Chicago Tribune, not affecting the summit, not and not and not, but it did. An investigative team reported that the second of the accusations of, of some woman kissing him at a hotel was also false. Investigators, private investigators, apart from the Willow Creek Church itself, brought forth public emails or emails that were, they made public to prove as evidence to the contrary that Bill was, again, falsely accused. So, based on that evidence, even though it had been devastating to hear and it caused some... Um, shadows to be cast across Bill's character, the host team here decided to move ahead with the summit believing that the accusations against Bill were false, and they were. However, another unexpected happened when Gail and I got back from our uh, vacation in May. Two new allegations had surfaced. Neither of them were of a sexual nature, but both of them definitely involved issues of boundary creep both of which Bill admitted to was at fault at and should have handled differently. One was a dinner that he had with another woman that should have never happened. Another were comments that were made that were improper that should have never been spoken. And wanting to minimize the impact on the summit, Bill stepped down from his place on the 2018 faculty, stepped down as the MC, stepped down as the leader of that event, which he had led for over 20 years. With that stepping down and those revelations coming forth, three of the faculty members, one of them including Denzel Washington, decided that they couldn't be a part of this event anymore. It just rocked my world in a way that I can't remember that happening in a long, long time. While the accusations against Bill were timid compared to those of Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein and Matt Lauer and so many others that seem to be coming out of the woodwork now. Those accusations still made it very difficult to maintain the momentum necessary, I think, to help launch a host site in a community. And the rest of the host team agreed. America, by default, is throwing anyone who is high-profiled and has committed any type of impropriety almost all in the same boat. 
And it was just getting wearisome to communicate all that, both to our elders, both to the uh, leaders that we were trying to influence. And we just decided to hit pause and say, not this year. So I sent out a note summarizing everything as I've just tried to do with you to all those who had committed to be a part of the summit. And I concluded with this note, your Kerrville host team made the decision to hit the pause button and step to the sidelines this year. We hope you'll understand because this is our best effort we're trying to put forth in bringing the summit to Kerrville. I also said the current program in 2018 is one that I encourage every leader, and I still do, to be a part of. Our church staff is going to be going. Our elders, the staff of Divinity Family Ministries going. Several other community leaders, a team of about 60 is going down to Fredericksburg. Because we felt like it was more important to help rally around a host site that's been in existence than it was to try to launch out on our own. So what is the future of our involvement with this? Well, first, to continue to lean into God's next steps and say, what do you want? Not what we want, but what do you want? Praying, first of all, that Bill's restoration and renewal continue. Praying for the leadership of the Global Leadership Summit. And then after the dust settles, we're going to reevaluate to see if this is still the best viable ministry tool to help our leaders here in our community. We don't know. But I have to tell you, for about five, maybe seven days, your preacher walked around in an absolute funk, still operated for the most part on all the tasks and duties that I have as your minister. But i got to tell you, just rocked me. And it just weird me. It just got worn out from dealing with it all and still trying to hold up those responsibilities. And I share any of that with you for two reasons. Here's number one. Because you deserve an update on something that has been and may continue to be a major influence of our community, of our church in this community. There's an army of people here at KCC who still want to find the best leadership tool that we can help bring to Kerrville to fill the cups of those who continually fill the cups of others. And to strengthen them and to become even better leaders themselves. The second is this. I just felt nudged by God to share with some of you some of the things he's been teaching me and how to deal with the unexpected when it comes dropped in your doorstep. For months now through the Gospel of John, we have been discussing living a life that matters. And one of the realities of any life in this room Truthfully, whether it's going to matter much in the scheme of things or not, every life in here is going to experience the unexpected. The challenge then becomes choosing not to allow these unplanned events in our lives, but the challenge becomes not letting them rob us of life, but rather see them as a tool of God necessary for it. I think you'll recognize the truth in this. The main theme, or one of the main themes in Scripture is there is this enemy. There is this prince of darkness who wants to derail from all of these humans walking on this orb called earth. Life out of their existences of those people that God has plans and dreams for. And if not for a lifetime, at least for a season, he wants to steal joy and steal peace and steal everything that we hold dear to us and have us focus not on God's promises but on a particular crisis that gets dropped in our laps. And he wants to paralyze us in the present so that we can have our vision veiled for the hope that God wants to give every single one of us for a future. 
And I've underscored this in my notes. And he's doing a number on some of you. I mean, he's having a field day on some of you. And I believe God brought you here to hear maybe a little bit of a different perspective he'd like for you to have on the unexpected and maybe even to hear a plan to deal with it. So here we go. I'm curious, how many of you here would call yourselves a planner? Now, that's not a bad word, okay? But if you would consider yourself a planner, you're not necessarily compulsive about it, but, but you wake up with a plan for your life most days. Raise your hand. Okay, look, okay, a lot of us are planners here. I live by the adage, people don't plan to fail, they often just fail to plan. I do, I'll admit that. But I also realize that while plans are helpful, they're certainly not dependable, are they? They're certainly not very reliable, not compared to the God who invites us to have them, but who says, I'll direct your steps anyway. Use those plans, I'll use those plans, but I... I'm going to direct your steps anyway, and I'm glad that he does because most of our plans are so naive. Because the truth is our plans don't include struggle, and they don't include disappointment, and they don't include failure, and they don't include accidental injury, and they don't include premature death, and they don't include bad weather or brownouts, and most of them, if not all of them, do not include um, plan on waiting here. We hate waiting. For almost anything in America. But what if? What if we as a people prepped our hearts and our minds to expect the unexpected? No, 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 more than that. Seeing the unexpected, not just as some kind of an opposition to mess up my life, but rather an opportunity for God to grow up my life. Now that's a different road perspective. Yes, we've hit the pause button on hosting the summit. And i got to say again, it was hugely disappointing for me. But with God's mercy, I promise you, he's helping me to see that maybe, just maybe, this is to redirect our attention to something else that's better for the leadership in our community. Or maybe to help even launch better than we were this year, the summit next year. I don't know. But I wish I could have had that perspective the day that Chicago Tribune article came up in my computer. The truth is... And thank you, God, for this. We get to choose our perspective in regards to the unexpected. We do. Now, it's a narrow road perspective, as Corbin read a few moments ago. It's narrow. Not many people walk this. But it's the one that leads to life. There's this other road, though, that's full of, of width, and it's easy to walk on, and it doesn't have any plans for the unexpected, and it certainly doesn't have a perspective that God wants to use the unexpected, not, not to make you miserable, but to make you everything he's dreamed for you to be. There's a quote that I love that, that puts Corbin's text that he read a few moments ago into a nutshell, and here it is. If you want to go to a place called better, you need to travel a road called different. Isn't that good? And it's true. I don't care what you're talking about in your life. If you're in a place where something's not going on that, that's meaningful to you or is destructive to you, if you want to go to a place called better, you're going to have to travel some road, some out of there that's different. That's just a summary of really what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Well, waking up every day to see the unexpected not as an opposition to mess up your life 
but rather an opportunity for God to grow up your life. That's a different road. That's a narrow road. But it's the only way to better. I'm going to share with you this morning two things. First, a specific perspective. We talked a little bit about that just now. But also a specific plan for dealing with this unexpected that's going to happen today. Spoiler alert. Before you go to sleep tonight, I can guarantee you something unexpected is going to take place. And you may need exactly this message to deal with it. I don't know. I hope it's not on the tragic level. But it doesn't have to be necessary to start stealing some people's joy. Have you, have you noticed? Just the little things that are unexpected happen and all of a sudden it just destroys their day. And you're saying, I'm going to get them this CD. Because they need a new perspective on how to handle the unexpected. They need a plan for dealing with it. Well, maybe that person that, who really needs it is you. I know it was me. Because there really is a way to embrace the unexpected rather than be embittered by it. There really is. Or God would not have said something like 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though something strange, something unexpected was happening to you. No. You rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. God's trying to encourage us not to think it's so strange when the unexpected shows up, and it will. But that's not how we handle it, not me. No, I'm telling you the truth. When defeat shows up or delay shows up or diagnoses show up that I don't want in my life, I think this is strange. And we often think along with it that God might be a stranger to us now. And for some, they'll even go as far as to say, no, God's deserted me now. So let me ask again, what is it that's hit you lately? Is it this week? Is there, is there no coincidence to you hearing this message today because it did hit you this week? The delay, the defeat, the diagnosis, I don't know what it is, but, but can, I, can I remind you? It's going to take an entirely different perspective. And probably you've had or I've had for the most of my life to deal with it if you want to see it lead to life. What's hit you of late? I can say this, there's a good chance it's happened to Jesus. That's one of the things that, that the writers of like John and, and Mark and Luke and Matthew want to make sure we know about this, especially the Hebrew writer who comments on some of their writings later. It, it most likely happened to Jesus. And that that's not just for empathetic reasons. <laughs> I'm going to be, be honest with you. It doesn't do all that much for me to hear that Jesus suffered some of these things. It doesn't make me a whole lot. I don't feel better for that. But it does kind of wake me up that if, if truth personified walking around on two legs Absolute selfless love and power and purpose walking around in a body. If he could be misunderstood, maybe I might be. If he is doubted, when none could have been more faithful, maybe I might be. If he was rejected, when no other human being brought more to a relationship than he did, then maybe I might be too. 
That when they plot it against the very life of the one who is the author of life, maybe they might plot against me too. And all of the above has happened to me and probably has happened to you. And I could go on. Not just to say that Jesus is empathetic, but to remind us that if that can happen to perfection in the human body, it might happen to you perfect, imperfect human bodies. A lot. Still doesn't make it any easier to bear. But please take courage. Please. That the same Father who led perfection through his fiery ordeals has promised, I'll lead you through yours. Promise. Not around it, but through it. Hebrews 5 and verse 7 says that while Jesus lived on the earth anticipating death, he cried out in pain and wept in sorrow as he offered up his prayers to God because he honored God. God answered him. Though he was God's son, he learned, this one just shocks me, though he was God's son, he learned trusting obedience by what he suffered just as we do. If God had to grow Jesus up by allowing some, some very difficult things to be present in his life, most of which we label the unexpected because we don't go around expecting difficult things, but if he had to deal with those things and had to move through them, so will you. That's just a perspective maker. So will I. So many times when things get worse before they get better, we're shocked. Or harder before they get easier. Or darker before they get lighter. And it causes us to doubt. And we doubt so quickly. We doubt God's calling. We doubt his faithfulness. And we give up. And we start saying things like, well, I guess he didn't open that door. A little bit tough. I guess he didn't call me. Things are, are a little bit difficult. I, I guess this isn't in his will. Things got a little bit rough. <laughs> I'm here to remind you this morning, church. That walking the path of life, Corbin read a few moments ago, I'm trying to remind us, isn't easy. It's hard. So don't let it catch you off guard when that unexpected ugly slaps you upside the head, parks itself on your doorstep. It did, Jesus. And he wants me to remind you that if I would lead my son through it, I'll lead him. Here's a couple of things I've put in my journal over the last couple of weeks of this unexpected dropping in my life. Closed doors do not mean that God's not opening a way. Increased cost does not mean that God is not calling. The presence of a battle does not mean the absence of a God in the war. Trials don't mean we're out of the will of God. They may often mean we're exactly in the will of God. A sister gave me this note. This seminar must be one incredible tool for the kingdom, I'm guessing, in order for Satan to come at it so hard. She said, Jimmy, don't be discouraged by the battle. Be encouraged that it's worth being attacked. Keep fighting the good fight of faith, standing, believing, because what Satan has meant for harm, our God will work for good. I believe that. The man that I need to hear. Did I need my perspective adjusted with it? What if we were known for living like that? What if? I believe the church would be one of the most powerful forces on the planet because there's just something that's momentum building and courage giving with a faith that says, 
Wow, didn't see this one coming, but all right, God. Didn't expect that one needed in my life to grow me up, but here we go. I'm buckling in. We need a narrow road perspective, but we also need a narrow road plan because you can have all the perspectives you want. If you don't have a plan, Satan's going to nail you. Let me share mine that God's given me over the last couple of months. First is this, go to him in prayer immediately. I'm taking my cues from a king who is known for following God while facing some incredible giants when it comes to the unexpected in his life. He writes in Psalms 55, 22, give all your cares to the Lord and he will give you strength. He will never let those who are right with him be shaken. He will never let those who are right with him be shaken. Another one of the great giant slayers, but in the New Testament writes, so humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God because he cares for you. Some of you need to be reminded of that today. That unexpected, that show doesn't mean God doesn't care. It may be strange to you, but God's not a stranger. He's not. How do you give your cares over to God? One way. Prayer. One way. Help. God, God, you, 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 you take, you, you help in this. God, you're the only one qualified for this. Prayer. Because we're so prideful. Now, now we don't like to say the word pride, but we don't mind saying, I'm kind of a control freak. I like to be in control. <laughs> Almost all of us like to be in control. We do. And that's one reason why God encourages us to pray, because prayerfulness is the antidote for pride. This is why Jesus reminds us to daily pray for a father's perspective in our day. A father who is in heaven, a far greater, a far higher perspective than we have. And to invite his will to be done every single day. That his plans be fulfilled in our lives and his dreams be fulfilled, not necessarily mine. To remember that he's a source of that daily bread from my relationships and my career and my health. To ask him humbly to forgive me as I've been forgiven to remember that only he can really deliver anyone from evil. And not by my strength, but by his power for his kingdom and for his glory. Does that kind of sound familiar at all as far as prayer goes? I sure hope so. I hope you said the Lord's Prayer enough that that does sound pretty familiar. But all of it's about saying, God, I, I don't know. <laughs> but you do. And you have the power, you have the strength, you have the plan. Would you please just allow me to be a beachhead for all that? Let your kingdom come and flow through me, would you? Number one, you start with going to God in prayer immediately. Number two, you start by organizing your next steps around his word thoroughly. David's son wrote, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend upon your own understanding, but seek his will in all that you do. And he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Think that one needed to be highlighted? Uh, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, you fear the Lord and you turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Part of your response when the unexpected parks itself on his doorstep has to be seeking the advice of someone who's not just been confronted with the unexpected. 
who saw this coming and is able to deal with any unexpected that comes in our lives. What's your advice on how to handle this, Lord? Remember the question we talked about a couple years back? When I started into it, you'll remember this. Father, in view of my past mistakes and my present circumstances and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do here? What a great prayer. But what a great focus. Remind me, God, of the scriptures that you've hidden in my heart or point me to new ones. But, Lord, you speak and I will lean into your wisdom and not my own. That's two things that are part of my plan for facing the unexpected. Number one, to go immediately to him in prayer. Number two, to organize my steps around his word. And number three, to determine to trust him tenaciously. Do you see a central theme there? God, that's my plan for handling the unexpected in my life. God. And he's not always easy to hang on to tenaciously. I got a call this week from a young family who's lost a child. I can't imagine there being a more difficult, unexpected anybody is asked to deal with. I can't imagine. And so I tried to practice this. I went immediately to the Father in prayer. I said, Lord, what what, what do you want me to say? You're the only one that I know that we could hang on to to help us make it through times like this. And he gave me Habakkuk 3.17. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flock die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. I was knee-deep in this message when I received a phone call. (laughs) Mr. Sportsman, am I correct in thinking that you would like to extend your stay with us tonight? I jokingly say, well, that depends on if this is the hotel at the Ritz-Carlton or the Motel 6. The lady responded, this is actually the front desk at the Motel 8. I said, the one by the interstate? And she said, yes. I'll be right down. I had checked a husband and wife who came to our building on Tuesday into that hotel to give them a one-night stay and a bus ticket. This was Friday. You doing the math? I had to leave my credit card number there at the desk because just in case there might be some damage to the room or incidentals, it would cover it. I assumed for one night. I started going to God in prayer immediately. And I thought, God, you don't want me to just preach on the unexpected. You, you need me to experience an unexpected, don't you? Yeah, he does that a lot. So I went to God in prayer and I said, Lord, please help me not to kill him. I tried to organize my, my next steps around his word. He reminded me that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> he reminded me that uh, I need to treat people like I've been treated, like he's treated me when I was taking advantage of him and being deceitful to others. He reminded me of going the extra mile. Number three, I determined to hold on to him tenaciously because, you know, this is going to be uncharted territory for me. Never had to do this. In his mercy, when I got there, the couple was already gone, so I didn't have to confront killing him. But actually, all along the way, because I had a plan to deal with the unexpected, I felt pretty confident that God was going to have his way and not me have mine. 
I realized very quickly it wasn't going to be about the couple. It was going to be about the management team, both the clerk and the managers there, and how this, all, this interaction worked. I'm not going to go into all the details, but they were, they were really funny, some of them. But as it turned out, they, they took a little bit of a thump, and I took a little bit of a thump financially for it. But when we were done, as I was walking out the door, one of the managers said, What church is it that you preach for? I said, one that allows people to take advantage of them and still pray for them and still love them. It helped this week to have a God-centered perspective on the unexpected. And it helped to have a plan. And maybe it'll help you. Father in heaven, we love you. We don't know where to put sometimes the things that occurred in the life of Jesus. Whether they were unexpected or not, we don't know the totality of what he knew and what he didn't know. Because he was flesh and he emptied himself of so much of his godness when he came here, Philippians 2 says. We don't know how all that works in the mystery of him being human among us. But your word says over and over again that he, he experienced the, the trials and the struggles just like we do. To grow him up. Not to ruin him, but to make him what you wanted to be. And so we're going to try our best to have faith that just as you did that for Jesus, you need to do that with us. Please help us leave here today with a little bit more of a kingdom perspective of the unexpected. And please, Father, help us to take this God-centered plan of going to you in prayer, of organizing our next steps around what you would have us do, and of determining, regardless, we're never going to let go of you, never going to quit trusting you. There's probably a lot that could be added to that, God, but that's as simple as I need. Please help us be a church where people can be taken advantage of and still pray for and love others. Your son seemed to do that pretty well, and we want to be like him. We realize we're not the only church right now today who's trying to become that kind of church. We ask you to please be with them. Calvary Temple. There's right up the road from us. Dale does a great job of speaking there, singing there. Would you please help them be a group of disciples like we're trying to be that look a little bit more like Jesus because of times like this today than we did when we walked in? In Christ's name we praise you and everyone said, amen. Let's stand and sing, church.